0: Becoming a parent fundamentally changed my perspective about urban environments and my experience of them.
1: Hi, everyone. This is John Zimmerman, founder of the Active Towns Initiative. Welcome to the Active Towns Podcast conversations about the people, places, programs, and policies that help to promote a culture of activity within our communities. It's great to have you along for the ride. In this episode, we welcome Darcy Kitching of Boulder, Colorado. Darcy is an experienced program director, talented storyteller, and truly a force of nature as an activity ambassador. Her formal training is in education and urban planning. She's the principal owner of Places Make People LLC, a firm dedicated to improving places to better meet resident needs. Since 2015, she's served on the steering committee for the University of Colorado at Boulder's Growing Up Boulder program, working on broad-based initiatives to expand walkability, nature play, and child-friendly transportation and mobility options. In addition, she's the Boulder Program Director for the Walk to Connect organization, overseeing engagement efforts in association with the city's Boulder Walks program, which I'm sure we'll be talking about more. I've known and collaborated with her many times over the years, and it's always a pleasure to connect and catch up. Darcy, welcome to the Active Towns podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: To kick things off, can you describe the Boulder Walks program? Outline the goals a little bit and some recent activities you all have been doing there.
0: Sure. So Boulder Walks is a program that was started by the City of Boulder's Go Boulder program, which is the City of Boulder's transportation planning organization. I picked it up in 2015 to start uh, coordinating activities for Boulder Walks, and we do a wide variety of uh, walking events from walks with city council members to all kinds of events throughout Walk and Bike Month, which is June every year. And we just finished Winter Walk and Bike Week, which was fantastic. We did a really fun new experience where we walked, I called it Boulder End to End. We walked from gunbarrel in far north Boulder to the far south Boulder area on a 15 mile route that wound through the city. And it was a lot of fun. So really, Boulder Walks is all about getting people out into the city's pedestrian infrastructure using our amazing multi-use paths. You know, we have over 70 miles of paved multi-use paths um, as well as sidewalks and our streets. It's really a program that's intended to help people understand how that pedestrian infrastructure is built and maintained and to engage people in conversations about how it can function better for integrating walking into your everyday life. I mean, really what we want to do with Boulder Walks is help people imagine themselves and commit to walking more often. I mean, everyone's a walker, of course, at some point during the day. But how can we create more opportunities for everyday trips on foot? and support that with great infrastructure and great wayfinding and other supports that the city can provide. So really that's what we do with Boulder Walks. And as a planner myself, I'm an urban planner with a kind of a transportation focus but I'm really very much a community engagement person. I'm really a people person. So unlike a lot of planners who are kind of policy oriented, I'm, I'm really, I love being on the ground with people and walking them through places and listening to their ideas about how walking can be more practical in their lives and really bringing that back to our conversations at the city. So yeah, that's what we do with Boulder Walks. It's a lot of fun.
1: Fantastic. How has been the, the response of the residents so far?
0: Well, we've consistently grown in appeal, I think, uh, over the years. So we've been doing this for five years and more and more people come out and join us on these experiences. So for instance, we had 50 people on that Saturday Boulder end-to-end 15-mile walk, which was amazing. People joined us at a variety of points along the way. So some wanted to walk the whole 15 miles. Most Most people did. And some wanted to walk just a short way. So we invited people to come and join us for however much of the the route they wanted to. But a total of 50 people joined us throughout the day, which is pretty remarkable given that it was a winter day, a kind of a cold Saturday in February. But of course, a beautiful sunny cold Saturday like we have here in Colorado, our beautiful bluebird winter days. I'm seeing that more and more people are joining us on these experiences. So we ha- we did our first round of walks with city council members last year, and those also grew in popularity. And in particular, One that we did that had a Spanish focus, Um, it was Spanish first, where we uh, invited the city council member and several, you know, many community members who have Spanish as a first language to um, use that primarily. And then we had an interpreter for English speakers, which was really a great turnaround. You know, often it's the other way around. And so I think that that was really empowering and that attracted over 25 people. So we're really getting a great response to these invitations that we're creating.
1: That's fantastic. And can you tell us who the Boulder Ramblers are?
0: Sure. So, here in Boulder, I have the great privilege of uh, coordinating and walking with a couple of different distinct groups, although there's a lot of overlap between them. So, the Boulder Ramblers are the local Boulder chapter of the Walk to Connect Cooperative, which you mentioned in your intro. And Walk to Connect is based in Denver. And I am the local boulder coordinator. Um, and that for me is a it's a volunteer position, really. I started doing that also in 2015, early 2015, and just started um, on a volunteer basis creating and uh, offering a Thursday morning walk in my neighborhood that was convenient for me and um, just started inviting people into that through our volunteer-based. Community based program. And really, so what Walk to Connect serves to do is to create grassroots walking communities. The goal of Walk to Connect is to get more people out walking for all the different health benefits that walking provides, not just physical, but also emotional, mental, uh, social. You know, how can we heal our social divides by walking together? How can we gain more clarity in our own lives? So that's, you know, Walk to Connect really emphasizes those things. And it's very much a grassroots movement. So here in Boulder, our local Boulder chapter is called Boulder Ramblers. And we have an amazing community. We started, like I said, five years ago with like 100 people um, on our meetup group. And now we've got well over 1500 in our um, Boulder Ramblers meetup. And yeah. So that's, that's the difference. So Boulder Ramblers is very much a grassroots community-based volunteer-led program, whereas Boulder Walks is the city's uh, walking program for which I get paid. So that's my part-time job to coordinate Boulder
1: Walks. When you look back on your experiences of these activities, what are some powerful moments that you can recall?
0: Wow, there have been so many. It's just been an incredible experience um, to get to know people through the friends that I've made through Boulder Rambler's some of those people have been walking with with me from the very beginning. And we have attended each other's, you know, baby showers and um, taking care of each other when when someone is sick or um, out of commission for a while. So I think a really powerful story for me has been just the growing friendship with my friend Mira, whom I met when she decided to come and be trained as a walking leader here in Boulder. And she has just been really engaged with our group. She's um, had two children since I met her. And I I was involved in her baby showers. And our whole community has just come out to support her routinely, you know, throughout this experience um, over the last five years. And that's been amazing. We also had a, a community member who um, went through a really challenging surgery, and we supported her with meals. Um, and really just, it was amazing it's been amazing for me to to witness over the past 5 years how this community has gelled and come together and created real true deep friendships so that's that's one side of it where personally it's been incredibly rewarding and on the more professional side of it it's been incredibly rewarding just simply to get to know my own city better <laughs> so i actually i didn't move to boulder until um, nine years ago when my husband and I bought our house, I was living in Denver. And I'm I'm from Colorado. And so I was familiar with Boulder. I've spent a lot of time here over the course of my life. But, um, you know, I didn't really know the city all that well. So when I started doing all of these walking events and experiences, and joining others on theirs, it was I mean, it's absolutely amazing how your experience of the places around you, change fundamentally when you're having those experiences on foot. Um I've always been really interested in cities and city structures and dynamics and just walking all the way around Boulder um has been has been remarkable. So I created a route called the Walk 360 which is a 360 degree loop around the city. It's a 26 mile route. And we've done this in pieces, but we've also done it in one day on what I call a slow marathon. That experience is transformative for everyone who does it, because it's remarkable to see how you can connect our dirt trail system to our multi-use path system, to nice, quiet streets, to underpasses, under busy streets, and all the way around linking our parks and our open spaces and all the different kinds of neighborhoods here in Boulder. And it's a remarkable day. If you do it in one day, it's a remarkable day where you really get to see the diversity in Boulder that um, is often easy to miss.
1: Is there anything really surprising that has come up over these past couple of years?
0: Hmm. Something really surprising. Gosh, I'm. <laughs> Would have to think about
1: that. Yeah. Maybe it'll pop into your head as we continue yeah. talking, but uh, yeah. you know, it's it, one of those things where it's like, oh, I never anticipated this, and this happened. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm sure really, there has been. I just <laughs> it just
0: doesn't come <laughs> to mind right
1: now. Well, here yeah. I'll t- I'll tee this one up here for okay. you. I'm sure many of our listeners uh, can relate to the fact that you're you're a parent. Okay. Mm-hmm. and you've got a little one. How has being a parent influenced you as a planner, as a program delivery professional, as an advocate for active mobility in people-oriented places? So how, how does that role of being a parent really sort of influence all those areas?
0: That is a great question. It has fundamentally changed my perspective, you know, not only experiencing the city on foot, but as a parent. Um, you know, it's one thing to be a single person, an independent adult who can hop on a bus or walk, you know, several miles at once. Or, you know, I, I've had wonderful experiences here and all around the world exploring walk walkable cities and beautiful places. And when I became a parent, what became most Tangible difference to me is the lack of safe and dignified and clean public spaces that we have to take care of young children. So I actually made that into a a campaign back when my, my child was under a year old and, you know, in diapers and often having meltdowns. I called it, uh, I I had a search. I was, I was on the constant search for those clean, dignified spaces for, for baby care. And I called them baby havens. And I only found a few of them. And I was really trying, I was trying to map these places. um, Because, you know, here I was, I spent my adult life, you know, very free, very independent. I had my baby when I was 40 years old. And so I was well, you know, integrated into my urban life. And I really valued and loved the freedom that I had. And here, you know, with a little kid in tow, you have to find those places where you feel safe and where you feel like you're not going to bother people, and you know those places that are clean and dignified. And um, and I really st- I emphasize the the dignified here because I think that that is a larger problem in our urban areas that we need to address in many ways. But as a parent, the way that I witnessed that was so many of those places that I really looked for and needed were private and inaccessible to people without money, to people who couldn't, you know, afford to go out for lunch or something. So what, what I'm thinking of are those places where I could go and like change the baby, f- sit down and feed him privately and um, get cleaned up and give him a little break from the public sphere uh, so places like the nursing room in the Whole Foods, <laughs> um, which was really a wonderful place to go. Um, and I could walk there occasionally, but often I would drive. And that's another dynamic I really experienced when I was um, a new mom, was that I found myself driving a lot more than I wanted to, because my car also became one of those safe places. And I think this is something we don't acknowledge often enough, that if you don't have a private vehicle or access to safe and dignified and clean private spaces, you're gonna spend a lot of your time at home, out of the public sphere, not engaging with public life. And I find that really sad. And I think it's something that we need to overcome for parents across the economic spectrum, across, uh, you know, all the spectrums that, that people are um, engaged with, because we need to have people, parents out in the, in our public life to be engaging with that. Um, And I think our urban spaces need to support that more completely. Another way that I noticed um, the kind of lack of dignity for parents and young children is simply the, the walkability, you know, when you have a stroller or any kind of a mobility device, you encounter barriers of all kinds. So whether it's narrow doorways or lack of curb cuts or sidewalks that are too narrow to walk with, um, you know, a stroller and somebody next to you. So many, becoming a parent fundamentally changed my perspective about Urban environments and my experience of them. One experience we had when my child was really little, he was just over a year old, and we traveled to um, England, and we have friends and family in England. And (laughs) here I had this. American stroller, you know, the SUV of strollers, the Bob. (laughs) This is a very famous stroller type in Boulder. Everyone has the Bob stroller and it's like all terrain. It's truly the SUV of strollers. And so I took this thing on our trips and I could not get into a lot of places in London, you know, whether it was like pubs or bathrooms. So uh, that's another thing. I think the scale often of our American products, it's kind of like how fire trucks have informed the scale of our streets. You know, if you have like these massive strollers, <laughs> that kind of informs your, the scale of your, uh, your doorways and things. I mean, not exactly. Of course, those things are scaled to be um, compliant with the Americans for Disabilities Act and other regulations. Um, They happen to work well for the big SUV type strollers. But um, for people who are using any kind of mobility devices, strollers, wheelchairs, walkers, you really do on a daily basis encounter barriers to your mobility. And I think that, you know, we need to address those across the, the spectrum to make sure that people feel safe and dignified and that they have access to everywhere they need to go.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And those connections, those very, very comfortable and convenient connections to meaningful destinations are, are so important that that they be provided so that you can get to the school, hopefully walking or biking. And that's kind of that next stage. You talked a lot about the dignity of of places as a parent of, of a little little one and then It starts to change a little bit, and as the little one starts to become more mobile and and wants to go places and and being able to, you know, get to those places uh, by walking and then eventually by biking.
0: Yes, yeah. So that transition it has been fascinating to. Witness that. So, my son is now seven years old. We walk to school every day. He does love to ride a bike. And again, here in Boulder, we're really privileged because we have a great off street walk and bike network in our multi use paths. So, and it feels safe most of the time we also have some good, you know, bike parks and destinations to go, but exactly the capacity for young children to safely navigate city streets, their neighborhood streets, you know, it's a big issue and it's something that I'm I'm very invested in as a parent and as a planner. We work on safe routes to school. And not everyone has the ability that we have to walk just a couple of blocks to school every day. And it's really a privilege.
1: Yeah. Gosh, when we met a couple of years ago, uh, I think you told me that biking just wasn't your thing. Mm -hmm. And you just didn't do it very much. (laughs) But things have started to change. Why don't you tell us about uh, the changes on that front?
0: Yes. Things have started to change in a rather dramatic way. (laughs) I never did like to bike because I live at the top of a tall hill. And especially when you're towing a trailer with a little kid in it. And as that kid gets heavier, (laughs) it gets harder. (laughs) And so I had been thinking for a while about an e-bike. Yeah, I have not been the biggest fan of bicycling because of just the the what I used to perceive as kind of the hassle of the bike itself—you know, what do you do with the bike? For me, it's easier often to hop on the bus or to walk somewhere. And I love our bus network here in Boulder. Again, that's another point of privilege that we have. But I, w- I was thinking about it, and um, I have gotten more interested in the you know multimodal life. And of course, I've always been really invested in a multimodal life, and I've been a walker and a bus rider and a hiker for my entire life, but as I thought about what kind of a bike would allow me to to get where I need to go and also get home comfortably up this huge hill. So I was thinking about that. And I think it it was you who connected me with Arlie at Bike Shop Girl. And I didn't even know about Bike Shop Girl until I started following her on Twitter. Loved what she had to say. And honestly, it's Arlie who sold me on the idea of an e-bike. <laughs> you had mentioned that too, John, that it was uh, worth looking into. And so I did. And it was January when I um, got the word that my new Turn HSD bike had been had arrived at the bike shop girl shop. So I had gone um, last fall down to bike shop girl with my son. Um, She's in East Denver, basically Aurora, and we had tried out this Turn HSD and I just fell in love with it. It's a really nice compact cargo bike that has the capacity to carry up to 140 pounds on the back. So my son can sit there comfortably and I can have cargo on it, Um, could even tow a trailer if I wanted to. So we checked it out. Oh, and my son just fell in love with it too. It's a bright red, beautiful bike. So we ordered one and it came in in January. Arlie uh, let me know that it was here. And I decided I'm going to go pick up that bike and I'm going to ride it home. And so I did. I took three buses down to Bike Shop Girl and walked. I took three buses and walked a mile (laughs) and got myself there to her shop. Picked up my bike. She had outfitted me with all of the bags and all the bells and whistles that I needed, and I rode it 40 miles home to Boulder. <laughs> it was it was really fun. So I've been riding it frequently since then because I just love this thing. It's it, it feels it's really comfortable. It's much more comfortable than my my regular bike because it's much more upright. It's got that nice kind of Dutch um, you know upright uh, profile. And it's got four levels of boost, and I, you know, I basically, by the time I had ridden home from Denver, I had basically depleted the battery, but not completely. So that was also just really thrilling to me that I could make it home 40 miles from Denver to Boulder on one charge. It's it's a fantastic vehicle, John. It's really fun to ride, and so now I am. I'm excited. My life has, uh, my modality has expanded. <laughs> now I can walk, bus, and bike. And I think I'm going to write my, my next book is going to be, you know, bus and bike to trails. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I think you even said to me that what got you really excited about this was that opportunity to ride the bike to the trail because it yeah. just, it, it kills you when you have to, you know, get in a, in an automobile to, to get to a trailhead to go. And so obviously. Right, it seems
0: so silly, you, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'll just say this uh, you know, on Arlie's uh, behalf because she she does a really good job. She's committed to making sure that uh, the bikes that go out the door, if at all possible, are going to be completely outfitted. It, it's very much a concept that the, the Dutch use as well is that when they sell you a bike, it's got everything that you need to be successful out there. That way you're not fumbling through the experience and, and all that. And again, uh, the name of the shop is Bike Shop Girl Family Cyclery and and that was the Turn HSD. And I'll be sure to, uh, in the show notes, I'll, I'll include links to, to all of those uh, wonderful things in case people are interested in learning more about uh, Arlie and her wonderful shop, as well as that super cool bike. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome bike. <laughs> On to an interesting question, looking towards the, the future. What would you like to see happen in Boulder um, over this next year?
0: Wow. So many things. I I would love to see Boulder. So let me just uh, preface this with, so last year we spent um, all of 2019 updating Boulder's pedestrian plan, pedestrian master plan, basically. It was part of the, the transportation master plan and the pedestrian plan hadn't been updated for about 25 years. So it was really time to assess our pedestrian network, but then also to dream about what it could be. So I have been taking that to heart and really dreaming about what we could do here in Boulder. I imagine a regular open streets event. So that's something that I am advocating for with the city and just looking for um, partners. And a lot of people are really excited about that idea. Open streets events happen in many cities around the country and around the world. And I think that they are a fantastic way to get people out into the streets. You you close the street for like a mile or two miles uh, around a a well-resourced Uh, kind of corridor and get people out into it, get people biking and walking and skateboarding down the street and experiencing fun things together. So games or yoga or food or, you know, there are all kinds of things that you can do. And here in Boulder, I think that that's something that we really need as a community. We can be here in Boulder quite divided in our Ideas, you know, you, that might sound surprising because Boulder is a really progressive city. We've, you know, we're in the Western U.S. We've got strong convictions and ideas here in Boulder. We have people from a lot of different backgrounds who have different ideas about the future of our city, and I think that open streets can be one wonderful way to bring people out together into conversation to talk about. Um, the changes and the ideas that we need. So I'm really all about better public spaces that bring us together. And uh, for me, you know, Open Streets events would be part of that. So that's a really big dream that I have. It's something that we're working toward. It may not happen this year, but definitely next year. And I'm just really pushing for that. I'd also really like to see more um, art in public spaces and more street art specifically. Um, I'd like to see us celebrating the different parts of our community. So we have a large community of uh, Latino and Hispanic uh, people from a variety of backgrounds, indigenous backgrounds. Um, I think art that really represents their history and cultural heritage would be powerful. And I've talked with my friends in that community about doing that, and they're excited about that. Um, so just more recognition of the different parts of our um, our city, and that we don't we don't often kind of get into those conversations. And I think again, walking is a wonderful way to do that—to get people out together, experiencing public spaces together, and expressing their values, uh, whether they be cultural or uh, ideological or about work or whatever. So for me, it's really—I mean—my dreams are all about more ways to bring people together in really creative environments where we can think creatively together and solve our problems together.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And uh, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, the Open Streets events and uh, I've been traveling around the country doing videography of various Open Streets events. And I'm convinced that it's probably one of the best tools in our toolbox of being able to help people. Revisualize and reimagine what their streets can be. You know this. I've told you this. I'm I'm there to support you and and uh, make this happen. And who knows? It may be a formalized type of thing that. Um, Active Towns plays in, in uh, bringing this forward, you know, depending on how your interactions with the city go and what what the right fit is. Yeah. So I guess this is like the official public uh, declaration to the world that uh, yeah, John and Active Towns is going to do what uh, we can to make sure that Boulder gets a, an open streets event and, and support Darcy and in, in making her dream come true. So Yay, there you
0: fantastic go. thank you John I can we could use all the help we can get <laughs> and you know I, I really appreciate that because your perspective about activity assets and the power of getting people out into streets to use them differently and to see what's possible in their neighborhoods is just it's it's so amazing and I think it really takes visionaries like you to um, to make things like that happen so I'm, I'm right there with you and I think we could do it together um, and I, everyone I've talked to about this idea is is it excited about it because it is an opportunity to rethink um, how, yeah, how we use our streets, how we, how we engage together in our neighborhoods. Another thing that we're thinking about, and this is kind of a component of that, is um, a play streets policy. So up in Seattle, they have a, uh, a policy that allows people to conduct play streets where you close off um, a block or two not sure exactly how, how far they can close off, but basically the idea is to provide a play space in the neighborhood in front of houses. And ideally, you know, places, houses that are not directly connected to parks and other play spaces, but neighborhoods where kids could really use the street as a play space to expand their opportunities to get together. So in Seattle, they can do that. They can get a permit to do that up to three times a week for six hours at a time so that's remarkable and I've been talking with my partners at the city about that idea too about making a regular policy that's different from our kind of annual block party policy that allows people to close off a section of street to allow for you know an activity space Um, a dedicated activity space where kids can be safe and play games and get together and meet each other. And again, all of this is really about bringing neighbors together and creating opportunities for conversations about how things can work better and working on those solutions together.
1: And redefining what our streets are for, or I should say, taking it back to the past, um, because certainly our, our streets were were the, the the playgrounds and were the platforms for uh, so many different things other than just the 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 movement of motor vehicles the fast the the speedy movement of motor vehicles based on your experiences uh, that you've had thus far of of really rolling up your sleeves and and diving into the community there. What advice would you have for your peers and, and for folks who are inspired to try to do something in their communities to, to create more people oriented places and, and more active mobility? What advice would you have for them?
0: It's been such an amazing experience just getting out and getting to know people. I, I, strongly advise people to um, look up the tools on the Walk2Connect website. It's walk There are some wonderful tools for people who'd like to um, get this kind of thing started. Uh, really just getting out, talking to your neighbors, being an example and an exemplar, moving yourself by foot, And partnering with your city, if you can, there are opportunities through, sometimes through parks and recreation um, departments, but also through the transportation planning departments. Look at what your city is doing to enhance or to repair the pedestrian infrastructure, like sidewalks. Are there missing sidewalks in your city? Are there places where you don't feel safe and start to generate those conversations and bring them to your city council, to your local transportation planning department, and then kind of rally your neighbors and start walking for fun as well. I mean, here in Boulder, we're really privileged because we have so many systems that invite people to come out and walk into them, whether it's our open space and mountain parks, trails, or our off-street multi-use path system, or our parks networks. Not every place has such a wealth of uh, pedestrian facilities, but even there, and especially there, actually getting out with your neighbors and having um, events in the streets. So like we talked about open streets, maybe you can start an open streets program or just some occasional, like a weekly walk for coffee, where you get together with friends, you walk to a coffee shop, and have conversations along the way about what could work better. We have, um, through Walk to Connect, I have visited some other cities and towns around Colorado. And one town that really inspired me was the town of Lamar. It's out on the eastern plains of Colorado. And people there have utilized walking, have kind of created a walking culture and a walking movement where you might not really expect it. I mean, that community is a very um, it's, it's a farming community and it's a county seat for its local county. But but it's not a place that you'd necessarily imagine people getting out and like hiking and walking all the time like you have here in Boulder. Um, but it is a very, it's a beautiful um, community and people there have worked very hard to get a new trail network installed. I mean, it can happen. It can be a very grassroots movement that actually gets real changes made in the infrastructure in your town. Your or your city. So all it takes is people getting outside together, walking as a community, having those conversations, doing some walk audits perhaps with the city uh, or your local planners, and just really engaging that, that question of what do we want this place to be like? How do we want it to feel? How do we want it to be safer for our children? It could, you can have conversations around safe routes to school. That's also a good place to start. Starting a walking school bus and thinking about how children can be safer in their everyday lives um, on foot and by bike. I strongly advise people to set an example. First of all, be out there with your family, talk and walk with your neighbors, invite people to walk to coffee and just start switching some of your everyday trips from car trips to walking or biking and see how it can be done. And if it's uncomfortable and hard Bring those conversations to your city decision makers and tell them how it's uncomfortable and hard and how it needs to be better because every place can be a better place for people.
1: I totally agree. And I think that's a wonderful place to to end this in, in that uh, it reinforces the, the concept of sociability and increasing neighborliness. And by being out there, by being dedicated to living that life, putting it out forward and being out there smiling and waving and, and, you know, connecting. It's that, that connection that is so incredibly important. Absolutely, and, uh, I think yeah. and in our, in our current uh, state of things, I think that's so incredibly important.
0: Absolutely. And that's actually what inspired the founding of Walk to Connect in the first place is the, the observation that we are suffering an epidemic of loneliness. We are too separated from each other. We need to be out together exploring and walking and talking and, and really using our streets differently. So it does come down, it comes back to what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, streets were not always for moving motor vehicles quickly through town. You know, they in a lot of cities, streets started out as cow paths, you know, <laughs> the the places that that shepherds would take their or ranchers or whomever would take their animals. And of course, here in the West, Streets um, began as um, trails uh, by the indigenous people who were here, the trails that they used, kind of the most logical routes, given the topography. So, you know, it's not just for, for moving cars. It's really for moving human bodies, whether we're on foot or by bike or using a mobility device of any kind. And I think we all need to work harder to make sure that our streets function for people and for human bodies and not just for the big heavy machines that we push through them.
1: Yeah. And it, this reminds me too of of the fact that you are living in a city in a state where you have to deal with snow. Yes. <laughs> and the challenge of keeping the sidewalks cleared of snow and the spirit of neighborliness to, to notice, oh gosh, our, our neighbor two doors down hasn't cleared the snow off, I wonder if they're okay and doing a welfare check and going ahead and saying, oh, I I know they're feeling under the weather, I'll push the shovel over there and take care of that. And, and I know Boulder's not alone in this, but uh, because I can see the feed on social media, I know that there's been a bit of drama on that uh, with some of the, the recent snowstorms, but there are many uh, cities uh, across the, the country. That are dealing with that sort of thing. Talk a little bit about that because that's that's another part of that whole neighborliness uh, thing that we're, we were just addressing.
0: Absolutely. And that's a really big topic for us right now because we've just convened our second iteration of our Pedestrian Advisory Committee. They're called the Pedestrian Advisory Committee 2.0. Um, and there is actually a snow and ice removal removal focus team um, that has come out of that because people are so passionate about the need for better snow and ice removal to facilitate walking and using wheelchairs in our city. So uh, that's a very hot topic of course right now. We did have a, a huge storm in November that kick started this conversation because the city just wasn't able to stay on top of snow removal in a way that facilitated people's mobility. So, I mean they they definitely did the best they could and but even the maintenance department will say it was hard for us. Um, Our more recent smaller kind of early spring storms have been a little bit easier to handle. But what we're trying to do is to get people to do exactly what you just said, to be, to think in a more neighborly way and not just pin everything on the city. So the city doesn't even plow all of the residential streets. It just plows main arterials. There's actually a a kind of an order of service that describes exactly what the city can cover. And it's not everything. So we do need to be looking out for each other. Um, There are our machines that our parks and recreation department and our maintenance department use to clear the multi-use paths. So those are often the best place to go when it's snowed because they've been plowed early in the morning and continuously throughout snowstorms, but on just our everyday connections. So something that really struck me recently was that we we had a meeting of our snow and ice removal focus team. And one of our members could not make it to that meeting. And he is an amputee, lost both of his legs, and he uses a wheelchair. And he could not make it to that meeting because of the buildup of snow and ice at the intersection where he needs to catch the bus. He could not cross the street. He also couldn't make it the previous week during winter walk and bike week to a wheelchair experience that, where he was going to be one of the facilitators to actually show people what it's like to travel by wheelchair all year round. So, you know, the irony of those those um, experiences just really struck me. And we're trying to use stories like that to help people empathize and understand that okay, it doesn't really matter if my little section of sidewalk is shoveled and the ice is cleared if the next house is not because somebody coming through there that depends on the sidewalk being clear cannot make it any further. So we're trying to inculcate more of a kind of community awareness of not just your own little piece of sidewalk, but also those connections and facilitating those and making sure that the whole way is clear. So uh, we're working on a couple different approaches to that. In Denver, we've been really inspired by Denver's Snow Angels program, where they have kind of a door hanger that, that people can put up to indicate that they need help with snow and ice removal. We haven't innovated that quite yet, but we're working on ideas like that to help the the community just step up and look out for each other. The city does everything that it can, and we need to fill some of those gaps as a community. So that's kind of where we are, and it's it's a really important topic in places where it snows, absolutely.
1: Well said, well Darcy. Thank you so very much.
0: I, I did think of something surprising. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Oh, wonderful. Okay, let's end with this this something that's surprising. <laughs> well, you asked me what's what's been
0: surprising, and I was always a hiker, and when I moved to Boulder, I hit the hiking trails. That was, you know, something that I I really valued and I was excited about. The biggest surprise about this work for me has been how rewarding it is just to walk through the city. I mean, you can get an incredible amount of exercise and have a lot of fun connecting coffee shops, <laughs> connecting restaurants, connecting everyday destinations, and just exploring all the different kinds of neighborhoods. So honestly, that has been the biggest surprise for me, going from just being a dedicated trail hiker to loving hiking my city and our
1: neighborhoods. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. This has been really fun. Wow. I hope you are as excited as I am about that conversation with Darcy Kitching. I will be sure to include the links uh, to the various organizations that she mentioned in the show notes. I've got some great uh, interviews lined up, but uh, I am definitely looking for suggestions. So if you uh, would like me to uh, reach out to somebody and uh, interview them, could be you if you'd like to join me on the podcast let me know also if you are enjoying the podcast please subscribe to the channel and also give a rating and definitely drop me a line in feedback i'm new to this whole thing so any advice that you might have is much appreciated so that's all for now this is john signing off wishing you much activity health and happiness cheers